I find that with this type of activity, I get way more information on characters than if I just ask them to write me an essay about the character. Or even if I ask the students to write me an essay about how the character changes over the course of the book, I get way more in-depth information about what my student knows about that character with a one-pager. Hi there, I'm Carolyn Wall, your host of the Middle School Cafe podcast a podcast specifically for secondary ELA teachers looking to close the achievement gap. I'm a 20-year veteran teacher who still loves being in the classroom. Tune in each week as I reflect on my own teaching experience to bring you lesson plans, strategies, and stories that will help you develop your students as readers and writers. So grab your notepad, a cup of coffee, and join me each week as we dive into all things ELA. Here we go. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Middle School Cafe podcast. I hope that you are doing well. I hope that your week is going fabulously. Mine is going pretty good, except that we're getting close to progress reports at the end of this week. So I have students scrambling to get their work turned in and some realizing that some work just can't be done anymore and we can't recreate classes. Anyway, nothing new, just always busy progress reports. Anytime we're grading, you know that it is a busy time. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our mini series on reading accountability with a discussion on some written and creative activities that you can have your students complete to demonstrate their thinking and understanding about their choice reading books. If you've missed the other episodes in the series, I'd encourage you to go back and take a listen because I know that you will find some tips, some ideas, some strategies that you could use with your own class. In episode eight, we talked about how you could have your students share out about their reading. So verbally, whether it's to the whole group or with a partner. In episode 10, we talked about the difference between a reading reflection and a reading log. And last week in episode 11, we talked about setting realistic goals so that not only you can track your students' reading, but they can also track their reading themselves. There are countless activities out there that you can assign, but not all of them are created equally and not all of them are necessary. I like to focus my activities on things that are demonstrating skills. So I'm going to share with you four activities that I use in my class. They're not original to myself. So thank you to my friends and colleagues for sharing your knowledge with me that I am going to share in today's podcast. We are definitely better together. And I hope that you'll find an activity or two that you want to try with your class. The first activity that we're going to talk about today is a one pager. And it's not a new idea. If you've been on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, you have seen lots of teachers do one pagers. So we're going to talk about that today. I was first introduced to this activity about four or five years ago by one of our AVID teachers. If you're not familiar with AVID, it is a structured program that helps students with skills to stay in school and to reach their dreams of going to college usually students who would be the first in their family to attend college. If you Google AVID, you will find lots of information. My district is an AVID district, which means that we have AVID classes in all of our middle school and high schools in the district. Anyway, a one-pager 
if you're not familiar with that, is really just a mix of writing and creativity. It is called a one pager because it's literally completed on one blank page, like a sheet of copy paper. I use this activity a lot when I taught social studies because it is a way that students can put a lot of information into an activity without just constantly writing essays. I know that essays are important even outside of the language arts class, but there's so much information covered in a high school social studies class that I needed a way for them to be able to say, here's what I've learned, here's what I've learned. I didn't want to always test and I didn't want to always have them writing essays. How I use it in my language arts class is similar. I pick one topic or one essential question and then students write that in the middle of the page as the focus of that page. And then they fill the white space with the information about that topic. So let's kind of walk through an example of that. If I want students to demonstrate their understanding about a character in their book or character development, what I would have them do is pick a character. It could be a primary or a secondary character. doesn't really matter. Um, But I'd have them then write that name. So it's going to be pretty big in the center of the page. They'd write the name of the character on the page. Then I would have them divide the page into sections. So you could have them divide into sections of three, four, five, really just depending on what you want students to do in each of those spaces. For the purposes of the example that I'm giving, I'm going to say, let's have the students divide into four sections. So there's a name in the middle, and then they've divided it into four sections. In section one, I would simply just have them make a list, make a list of the internal and external character traits for the character that they chose. It's simple. It's a list. They have to know their character. In another section, and again, it doesn't matter. There's no order to this. Just they have four sections and all four of these things have to be demonstrated on their paper. So they could pick whatever section they wanted for section two. In section two, I might have them describe the best thing about this character. So just simply write, explain to me what is the best thing about the character that you wrote about in the center? So they could write all kinds of things. They have to, again, know the character to give you an example. If the student chose to write about the villain in the story, they certainly could change the question to what is the worst thing about this character? In the third section, I might have them describe three things that we would find if we opened the character's backpack or opened their locker or opened their purse or what we would find in their car, something that's personal to that character. And then I would have them explain how does that item relate back to the character? So why would that character have that item or how would we know that it's that character's item? And sometimes that has to be a little bit of imagination has to be added to that because we are definitely thinking outside the box, but they should be able to relate it to something that they've read in the book. This is also a section that I would allow them to be creative with. So maybe have them draw the object and then they could write about how it relates to the character or they could list it out. I try to give my students as much choice as they want. And so I would give them the freedom to decide if they wanted to draw or if they just wanted to list it out. 
And then in the last section, because this example only has four sections, in the last section, I would ask students to explain why they would or why they wouldn't want to be friends with this character. That is a great question that I use a lot. Sometimes I even use that question in my reading conferences. You get a lot of information, not only about what they understand about their book, but also about your student. I encourage students to be as creative as they want to be. I encourage them to add color. I encourage them to add some other pictures that go along with their story. And it just kind of becomes this really very pretty activity that they do that gives you, the teacher, a ton of information about what this student knows about the book that they are reading. You can really ask anything that you'd like. I find that with this type of activity, I get way more information on characters than if I just ask them to write me an essay about the character, or even if I ask the students to write me an essay about how the character changes over the course of the book. I get way more in-depth information about what my student knows about that character with a one-pager. Another way that you could use a one-pager is if you are completing a unit. This is how I used it in social studies a lot, is I would have them write the essential question in the center of their page instead of a character's name or a topic. They wrote out the essential question, and then they had to fill the remaining white space with information about that essential question. So answer the essential question with examples. You could also use a one-pager by using a literary element in the center of the page, such as setting, then have students fill the rest of the page with ideas about setting. So in addition to just describing the setting, you could ask students if this is a place that they would or wouldn't want to visit. You could also ask them, how is this place similar or different to where you live? There are a lot of ways to use a one-pager certainly is a creative activity. It's really easy to implement with very little prep, just some questions, some colored pencils, and some white paper. And you could have your students completing a one-pager tomorrow if you wanted to. Depending on what you ask your students, you can get tons of information, again, about what your students know about the book. They need to know and understand their book, which holds them accountable for their reading. Our second activity that we're going to talk about for holding students accountable for their reading is by using task cards. Now, I've mentioned task cards in other episodes, but they're just so versatile that I feel like they deserve another mention here in our discussion about reading accountability. Task cards are a great way to get information from your students in a way that's motivating, interactive, and fun. I like to use task cards first and foremost with partners to kind of help facilitate that conversation between peers about their books. But if my purpose is for reading accountability, I like to use task cards for individual activities. You certainly could have your task cards at stations around the room, and then you could have students just kind of rotate through the stations answering questions about their book. Another easy super low prep idea is to pull several cards that you want students to answer and then involve your students in picking which questions that you're going to have them answer. So for example, if I need to understand what my students know about theme, 
and understand about theme in their own choice books, then I would pull all of the questions out of my task card stack about theme. So maybe I'd have five, six, seven cards on theme. Then to get buy-in from my students and to provide some choice for my students, I might call up, so I have seven cards in my hand, I might call up three people from my class. Each person would pick a card. I'd put those cards on the overhead and say, you need to answer two of the three questions. So I'm using task cards. I've involved my class and I've provided choice for students. All of that is great. All very motivating. All um, helps students to demonstrate what they understand. I picked the card, so it didn't really matter which of the seven cards that any of the students picked. They were all centered on theme, so I'm getting the information that I need as well. You could also divide up your task cards. So if you have multiple stacks of your task cards, divide it up by topic, and then give each group, assuming that your students are sitting in groups, give each group an envelope with the task card. So one day students are picking questions on setting. The next day, students are picking questions on theme. Next day, on character. And you're just rotating through the task cards where students are picking their questions. That would take a little bit longer to get through, but definitely is another way to use task cards where you're not constantly coming up with questions. The third activity that I'm going to share is a super fun activity. It came about because a teacher friend loved reading advice columns, and she would share those advice columns with us every day at lunch. They were so fun. They were so funny. And we thought, how could we use this idea in our class? So we started thinking, and during one of our PLCs, we're like, hey, every book has a conflict. Every book has a problem. Every character is somehow tied to this problem. So what if we had students write an advice letter to a character in the book that would help them solve the conflict? Students would definitely need to have read their book in order to tackle this task, which that's the accountability piece. Students have to be able to recognize the conflict. They have to explain the conflict in their letter. And they have to understand the limits of their story, like setting, time, place, environment. And they have to know their characters. Whenever I do this activity, I love hearing the advice that the students begin to give each other about how their characters can solve the conflicts in their book, how they can solve problems. There's a lot of thinking and problem solving that happens in class. It is a fun day. It is a hysterical day. You learn so much about your students, just who they are and how they see the world. It is so much fun. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to try this activity at least once. The most entertaining advice usually comes from the fantasy genre, where whole new worlds have been created. It's a made-up fantasy life. There's new rules, all kinds of things. It's so much fun. This is definitely an activity that all students can be successful with if they have read their book. So a twist on this that I'm going to be honest, I've only done one time, but it was still super fun. And it was done with an eighth grade whole class novel. And when we read the book about, I don't know, halfway through the book, maybe a little bit more than halfway through the book, I had students pick a character and then they had to write a letter asking for advice 
for one of the conflicts that they were facing in the book. And so we got a lot of similarities, a lot of similar kinds of questions. But what I did after they wrote the letter from the perspective of the character is we posted them around the room. And then I gave each student a little stack of sticky notes and students had to respond to the letters. It, again, was such a fun activity to do. Um, I think if I did it again, I would maybe do it with a book club so that we're not getting a ton of letters that are the same, but students, there's like five or six people in a group in a book club, and so they would be writing and other people could give the advice. Super fun activity. I definitely will try it again. I haven't thought about trying it with my sixth graders this year, but maybe in late spring, maybe after state testing, when we have just a few weeks left of school, we might do something maybe with a short story or something. Just thinking and lesson planning out loud here with you. All right. This last one that I'm going to share with you, this last activity is a really good activity. Although I'm going to caution about using it too often because it can quickly become a chore and just kind of suck all the fun out of reading. But it is a really good activity. You get a lot of information about what your students know. They definitely have to think deeper about the book. In my experience, I would say this is more towards high school, although I have done it in a middle school and we'll talk about that in a minute. What I'm talking about here is a reader response journal. A reader response journal is when you have students do their reading, they're reading their choice book, and they're keeping a journal where they are responding to what they're reading. So it is very similar to a stop and jot, if that is a strategy you're familiar with. With a stop and jot, they stop at the end of every page. When you're doing it with their choice reading, I would probably have them stop at the end of every chapter, or if they're small chapters, maybe every two chapters or every three chapters, somehow divide the book so they know where to stop. When they stop, they write down their reactions, not their summary, but their reactions. So here's what I read. Here's what I'm thinking about what I read. That's what they're going to write down. You might have them write questions, those higher level thinking type questions, questions that they could ask characters if they had the opportunity, questions that they could ask the author. They might include a short little summary, but it would be more of a synopsis than an actual summary. Then when they come back the next day, they look at everything that they've written and they continue to reflect on it. They might add to it. They might start making predictions about what's going to happen next. So it's definitely a higher level skill. I have used this um, with an eighth grade class. And I would say, just being honest, I would say we maybe had about a 75% success rate with it. And then I there was a lot of me having to provide a list of questions. There's a lot more of me walking them through it than I had to when we taught high school, which again is to be expected. But it was a really great activity for students to see how to interact with the book. I wouldn't do it, but maybe more than once or twice in an entire school year, unless maybe you're in an honors class and this was just kind of the norm of what you were doing. Response journal gives students that opportunity to not just say, here's what I read, 
but here's what I think about what I read. Here's what I'm questioning about what I read. And here's my prediction about what's going to happen. So it's definitely walking them through all of those thinking processes that we want them to be thinking and doing and all of those skills that we know that they need to have. All right, you guys, we have spent the last four weeks looking at how we can hold our students accountable for actually doing the reading that we are assigning in our language arts class. And I hope that you found some helpful tips that you can use in your own class, as well as maybe some places where maybe I've challenged your thinking about your own practices. Because we've taken four weeks plus winter break to kind of get through this little mini series, I want to just summarize a few takeaways that I hope everyone leaves the mini series with. The first one is to evaluate why you're assigning a task. Are you assigning it just because that's what you're supposed to assign? Are you assigning it because it's what you've always done? My teammate's doing it, so I'm going to do it. Like, what is the purpose behind why you're assigning it? If you don't know the why behind your assigning it, then I definitely would step back and say, what is the purpose of this assignment? The second thing is, what are you assessing? Are you assessing a skill or are you assessing how a student used their time or how fast they read? What is it that you are assessing? And is it worth it to assess what you're assessing? Does it meet a standard? Does it meet the criteria for what you expect your students to complete in class? And the last thing is, are you individualizing goals and tasks for students? Are you helping your students move along their reading journey in a way that they can process and understand in a way that you can process and understand? When they leave your class, have they made gains in reading? You guys, this has been such a fun series to tackle, and I am loving the feedback that I'm getting. So I know you're thinking about ways to hold your students accountable for their reading. I am thinking that this is a topic that needs to come right back, maybe in spring, to our schedule, and we can continue this conversation a little bit later on in the school year. Please feel free to reach out through Instagram or Facebook. My handle there is Middle School Cafe. If you have questions, if you have ideas that you want me to include in our next discussion on reading accountability, I am open to all of it. Thank you so much for being here. Next week, we're going to begin a discussion on vocabulary. Is teaching vocabulary still relevant? I personally love vocabulary, so spoiler alert, you know where I stand. I hope that you'll come back for that and join the discussion on how to teach vocabulary. Until next time, everyone, I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.